when you say I do on that day, you're married one version of that person. A year, two years later, the person that you were married to on the day you said I do is a completely different person. And you have to go catch up to figure out who that person is, not just who the person was at the day of the altar. Hey friends, we are back for another episode of Theology in the Raw, and guess who is back with me? The the requested, the uh, <laughs> highly contagious, the, uh, the the man who is, you know what, you are my first returnee. I've had many wow. guests on, and you're the first one that I said, let's do this again. And, and I, I love all my other guests, but you're, you're the first... Uh, uh, duplicate here. So. <laughs> wow, I'm, I'm honored, man. Wow. So we have wow, BJ Thompson just... back on, folks. So uh, and I and I think part of it was due to I just had an amazing time talking with you last time. And I was, yeah. Right when I got done, I was like, "Dang, we got to do this again." And apparently, a lot of people on Twitter said, "You guys got to do that again." So wow, yeah, no, the timing. I think that I think the timing of our podcast last time. I don't think we anticipated the timing of yeah. what was what would occur in the in the social realm. Right. And so when we recorded the podcast about, you know, LGBT community, if you have not checked out that episode, make sure you go back and yeah. listen to that. But when we reported the podcast, actually that was the, the, the week yeah. that um Colin Kaepernick's protest blew up again in mm-hmm. in culture. So yeah. it was actually kind of a very I mean, it was very timely, man. So no, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me again. You you made some pretty show, yeah. Friends. You made some pretty prophetic statements in there that ended up being an amazing commentary on what happened a week later, almost or a couple of days wow. later. Can, can you give us an update? So it was the whole take a knee thing that I think was pretty, man. It was it was pretty big and st- still is in some ways. But uh, I feel like after maybe what September, it kind of died down. Or where's it been since we last talked? Uh, the media stopped talking about it. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, listen, they they have a job to keep. They have to keep their sponsors. <laughs> so yeah, no, the, people still taking a knee. No, it's still yeah. happening. It's just that man, sponsors and producers. I mean, there's a lot of money built into right. You know the these large broadcasts, and so yeah, no, they they had yeah. to stop talking about it. It's like, hey, listen. You want to keep your job? You want to yeah. keep that nice little condo you have? <laughs> Don't report another word oh, on man. this. So, yeah, man, like I said, I, I thought it was a very lively conversation yeah. and grateful. And I, and I believe, man, there is a, a larger growing sentiment and desire to want to get language and have some sort of understanding. It's one thing, maybe there was a point in time where you know, people were okay with just being ignorant mm-hmm. and not knowing. But I think that there are things that are happening in culture now that beg deeper questions than just the simplistic mm-hmm. answers that we've just kind of assigned to them. And so, yeah, I think that's part of the success, right? Is being able to give something with a little bit more depth yeah. than yeah. just these people were angry or hateful or whatnot. Yeah. So no, man, definitely honored and excited. I would love a buddy of mine, Ed Uzinski. He's, he's been with athletes in action for 20 plus years. He's got a PhD in um, American studies, like cultural studies. Guy's a, sh- I mean, he's an athlete, uh, you know, across the board. But he's a super sharp dude. He wrote, I think, 
the best written response to the take and eat. It was fascinating. And I can't remember the title for the life of me, but if you Googled Ed Uzinski, which, yeah, good luck spelling that. I don't even know how to spell it. He's one of my best friends. <laughs> but but it, there was a, yeah. a few, I mean, many things he said in there, but one was he contrasted the two extreme responses to the take and knee. One was a picture of a football player taking a knee kind of superimposed on that scene of the army soldiers in World War II where they're lifting the flag, you know, this kind of like, you know, oh, this yeah. arrogant protest of, of, you know, people who have died for our country. And the other picture was an American flag and, and faded in the background were a bunch of people being hung. Wow. You know, lynched. And, and one was a child in the sort of the black, the, the red and white, uh, 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 what am I looking at? The stripes. And it, yeah. was, it, was, uh, it was so fascinating because he kind of played on those two themes of kind of the, the visceral reaction that people had. But then he said, the nature of protest is to do something that, that, that offends their sensibility. And whether you agree if it's right or wrong, he goes, in a sense, it's wrong. Yeah. It's breaking the NFL code. It's, it's, it's provoking all this stuff. But that's what protest is. It yeah. is doing something that offends people's sensibilities so that they can wake up and have a discussion. And, and just the way he articulated it was really brilliant, but it, it very yeah. much captured so much of what we talked about in the episode. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and just to close that point, I think protests should always appeal to a moral righteousness that supersedes the existing norm. Mm. And so when you see King protesting the things that were occurring, and they call it civil disobedience, mm -hmm. He had to appeal to the greater law of the most high and the creator mm -hmm. that every man and woman comes up under, not the um, discriminatory practices that human beings can oftentimes, wow. whether they know it or not, um, operate in. And so, yeah, I think when you start talking protests, there has to be a larger, uh, more meaningful conversation on more righteousness that supersedes the current mm -hmm. norm so that when you begin to call people to solidarity, it's not just being disobedient towards the norm just to be disobedient. It's to say that there is something that is ailing us or lacking in the way that we are exercising this. Yeah. And it's creating, it's undermining our moral consciousness, not just um, the, the bottom yeah. line budget of things. So, yeah. That's great, man. Well, you know, the good news is, is since we talked last, there's been, you know, racism has been ended. Uh, there's no yeah, 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 sex. Yeah, that, there's no that. sex scandals. Gone. Yeah, yeah we are. <laughs> we are in a utopia. <laughs> let, let's. Yeah, uh, and I, want, I actually want to circle back around to some of that stuff. But let, let's talk about you. You you deal with the topic of marriage and married couples, and yeah. um, you mentioned earlier that offline that you are just seeing this. How do you say it? I mean, it just. I mean the divorce rates are always super high and just, yeah. but, the, but almost like an increase of people just giving up too easily. You want to, you want to yeah. talk about that, that, that enduring emotional journey of relationships. Yeah. Did, did you ask, what did you say? Last thing you said, Preston? Well, it, it's your quote, the, the enduring, enduring the emotional journey of relationships. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's a, there's a quote in scripture says that no King goes to battle unless they've counted the cost. Hmm. And, I think that there's something about being in a relationship, um, specifically in a covenant relationship with, you know, your spouse, that we don't just get to count the cost. I think about dating my wife, 
and I just love hanging out with her. She was a very close friend to me um, in our dating relationship. And I just enjoyed that. But man, Preston, I mean, the moment we got married, I realized that the friendship was going to be much more costly than what I had imagined. Hmm. And that it wasn't as glamorous. And um, there wasn't a script that really spoke to like how much I would realistically have to endure and transform during a time of our relationship. And so I don't think it's just in race, right? I think we kind of make that the thing. I think it's in social media. Mm-hmm. I think it's in friendships. Mm. Many of us do not have the emotional or relational undergirding mm. that allows us to either learn when to refine and to shift where we are with a relationship mm-hmm. um, or to step away from a relationship mm-hmm. or to begin to reevaluate who we are investigatively. Mm. Um, so that we can become more what we should be in this season, not what we were um, at a particular point in time. Hmm. So, yeah. What you think, Press? Well, I, you know, I often agree with that. <laughs> when in doubt, uh, agree with BJ Thompson. <laughs> but no, no, I mean, I, I absolutely resonate with that. And, and I think uh, my biggest question is what role, let me back up. It seems like humans are yeah. more sloppy and uh, at relationships now word, than before and, and just um it's like we've gone backwards a little bit on on relationships yeah. uh, marriages yeah. and uh just relationships as a whole and my biggest question i guess it's kind of an elephant in the room but what role does social media play in that because most people are either heavily attached to social media or it, flat out addicted like as in like they can walk into a clinic and they would walk away with a prescription because they're actually having a what can be diagnosed as an actual addiction and yet there's a rise a massive rise of the appearance of connectedness through social Uh, media and yet also a rise of loneliness anxiety depression and lack of relationships so have you thought through that i mean the, the role that social media plays in all this yeah yeah that's a great question i think what it's not social media, right? It's mm-hmm. it's what our parents had. Our parents had cigarettes, <laughs> right? <laughs> to take breaks. You know, their parents had, you know, different coping mechanisms. I think human beings are always finding coping mechanisms, right? Um, there was a generation that coped with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were all alcoholics, right? And this whole prohibition, just the whole thing. I think human beings at our core desire comfort. Um, and we desire the ease of things. We don't like things to be challenging. And so, you know, for this generation, social media, and I would say the immediacy of connection. I mean, chat lines, Preston, I grew up with the chat line. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of like, there was a, there was a thing, they should have a party line, right? And you could just call in and meet people. You know, my parents grew up at the disco place. And I'm just saying like, there's always this desire in human beings to cut corners. Yeah. When it comes to things that are challenging. Right. And so this generation being no different has found a way to cut corners with things like Tinder, um, with mm. things like this on the snap, you know, yeah. and to just get to the things that you really want. Um, I think the most challenging thing about it, though, is, is you realize sometimes the, the thing that you desire the most mm-hmm. doesn't come like that. Right. It doesn't come in a robust way. It's a cheapened experience. Of what you truly desire and what you look what you look for, um, and because we are not we have not received the skills to create the formation of those things, oftentimes we just we find ourselves just longing for those things 
um, with the semblance of what it could be mm. from small, shallow experiences. And so a friendship is just how many likes. Mm. Um, a relationship is just how much you can touch me <laughs> and how, how much I can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, a marriage becomes how, how we look successful. And so what I think is there has to be a redefining of what those things are, mm. but it will not come through intuitive thinking. It will come yeah. through the, the deconstruction of what you, you assume about life um, and the reconstruction of what it should be. I have this event. Um, if you go check out buildabetterus.com called Pursuing the Extraordinary, mm-hmm. uh, Preston, which is a one and two day couples experience right. and where I try to help people deconstruct, but then also reconstruct what relationships should be and how they can find joy in them. What are, what are some of the things that you feel like you constantly have to deconstruct are there, are there some goodness gracious <laughs> everything how many how many you want me to name press is like 500 things give me the top 17 <laughs> got you i got you you said what are the things i, I feel like i have to consistently deconstruct yeah yeah that oh. maybe expectations in marriage that seem to be kind of pretty common across the board that you know that, that don't get met you know a few years into marriage or or whatever yeah so I, so here's what i would say i i think the conversation has to shift to relationships because the generation now um, struggles with marriage because it, it seems so far, right? It seems if you're not already in committed covenant relationship, it seems like, man, what are you guys talking about? You feel excluded from, from the conversation. Right. And what I would say is the shift has to go towards relationships and how do I develop healthy relationships? Because that's what a marriage is. A marriage, honestly, is a lifelong friendship. Um, and if you don't have a, you know, a, a good working knowledge of how to create lifelong friendship, then you will struggle. And so one of the things I would say is a consistent thing is making your spouse the center of your relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Where your joy and your happiness is, is contingent on their behavior. And Preston, I don't know how long you've been married, but you've been married 15 years. Yeah. And if my wife is waiting to find joy because I'm being nice that day, Hmm. It might be a rough week. It might be a rough month, right? And she'll find herself consistently in instability. And so that's one of the things that I see. Also, people don't anticipate the fact that the person you got married to isn't the married the person you are married to now. When you say I do on that day, you're married one version of that person. Hmm. A year, two years later the person that you were married to on the day you said I do is a completely different person. Um, and you have to go catch up to figure out who that person is, not just who the person was at the day of the altar. That's scary for people considering marriage, right? They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> what if I don't like the person in two years? <laughs> hey, listen, get your, listen, get your lunch, bring your lunch for this. Pack <laughs> your lunch. Cause this is about to be a long thing. It's <laughs> scary. No, I, listen, Preston, it is absolutely scary. And it is true for all people everywhere. I, I mean, again, I travel all over the country speaking to couples. And sometimes it's funny because I, I talk to I talk to, you know, minority couples, I talk to white couples. And sometimes sometimes I think it's funny to me. I'm around white couples and they legitimately don't know that I know that they're a mess. It's like funny to me. I'm like, I'm actually kind of entertained by the fact that they don't think they think that they only need help in race and not in marriage. And I'm like, but wait. You do terrible. You're terrible at relationships racially. That means that you're probably not as good at relationships maritally. Like, that's the parallel to everything. And so, 
Yeah, we're all the same. Anywhere you go, Preston, we all have the same struggles. Do, do you see any differences? I mean, obviously not across the board, but between the yeah. minor, minority couples you work with and, and white couples? Like, are there, not, there not at all. Not, not at all. Okay. Yeah. Geography. Ge- <laughs> geography. Geography. And, 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 and then I would say just some of it is a little bit more communal. But no, they're all that they have okay. almost the exact same issue and they don't know it. So, wow. Well, since, yeah. we're, since we're in relationships, what, what, what's going on in society with all these sex scandals coming out? When, when, how, how come all of a sudden um, guys started groping girls? Like, is this, a new, is, it, is this a new thing or is this something that's been going on there for a while? Or have you, have you processed just this explosion of scandals coming out? What do we to make? Yeah, that's a this? scary thing, right? I, you're right. I, I think it is actually pretty alarming. I, I've read some, um, some think pieces on why it's not that big of a deal and and i'm very alarmed by it i'm alarmed by people of faith who have to turn their heads towards these issues simply because it is it contradicts their political ideology right and i go man there we have a candidate who was Mm -hmm. accused of pedophilia Mm -hmm. and we can't say that's wrong like that's that's challenging to me i'm very talented i have a teenage daughter Mm -hmm. i'm very I'm very disturbed by that. And so, I don't know. I think what's happening is that for the first time, people without voices can be heard. Mm-hmm. It's not new. It's all old. I mean, I've been shocked. I'm not sure if you're following the Me Too hashtag. Yeah. I was almost paralyzed reading some of the testimonies of these women. And, and it wasn't that I was paralyzed because I couldn't believe it. it was, I was paralyzed because I couldn't believe it, and I've seen it. And I just didn't know how to process it. I just didn't have a category for that sort of like vulnerability and transparency mm. and just going, man, this is the society that we live in. This is not some fictional make-believe exaggeration of the truth. This is the society. And so what, what I think is occurring with the Me Too's, I actually think it happened around Ferguson. I think mm the moment people of color were able to begin to tell their story mm-hmm. to systems and structures and power, that as that watershed, just similar to the civil rights movement, the civil rights movement opened up the, the doors for mm-hmm. tons of other movements during its time. Because for the first time, people um, in marginalized groups felt compelled to share things that had always been normalized for them um, in a way that the world had to painfully listen. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I think what's happening is a lot of people who suppress grief, pain, trauma, mm-hmm. um, and abuse are seeing other people speak out. And instead of them, um, it, it's called trauma bonding, Preston. Mm. Instead of just watching people speak out and be isolated, they're joining in chorus and saying, no, it's not just you, it's me too. Mm. Yeah, so I think we're at a very pivotal time in our society as it relates to truth telling. So you're saying these are linked. I mean, that's interesting. You go back to Ferguson and it's kind of like a domino effect or somehow just empowering other people who have been an oppressed minority on some level to be joined together. Where, where's this going to, God, what's the, I mean, do you feel like we're living, this is just kind of the natural rhythm of how society goes, or do you think we're living at a really kind of unique, a unique time and if so what what is the next year or five years look like i mean it could go different directions here yeah that's a great question i think history teaches us a lot right 
when you look historically what happened in the civil rights movement and what happened during a lot of those um, instances, what happened was they were shushed and they were silenced. And a lot of the visible leaders were put to death because they were bringing too much noise to this. I think what's interesting is that we can't shush and silence a person because there's not a person. Right. But I think what happens is you shush and silence the mechanism that allow people to tell truth out loud. Hmm. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. so net neutrality becomes something, a very significant concern, because now you can say, hey, we can prioritize certain things mm-hmm. um, and certain voices based off of their ability to pay to be heard. Right. If you mm-hmm. if you now have to pay to be heard, that your ability to tell the truth out loud isn't going to to last long and so what i would say it's eye-opening but it's it's an opportunity right now i want to make sure i also be hopeful it's an opportunity to create a community um marked by truth and and reconciliation Mm -hmm. not by deceit and um manipulation Mm -hmm. based off of conceived power right when you have to to deal with you know your sisters as sisters and equals person that's challenging right if mm-hmm. if you don't see women have the same type of equality in voice that you do and now you're forced to wrestle when you say something out of term or out of pocket mm-hmm. it's it's humanizing it gives you an opportunity to mm-hmm. better love and to be more human um in the way you express yourself now again it's challenging because it's new and you know certain people certain groups would call it being politically correct i would call it just being polite <laughs> right? <laughs> just being loving like right being sensitive not being tone deaf to my neighbors mm-hmm. but actually listening to them mm-hmm. not pretending as if they were crazy and then figuring out how to move forward so i think it's a great opportunity for us as a society to listen and to learn and to then begin to wrestle to learn how to to better love our neighbors that's good man that's good yeah it's uh I mean, I grew up in a divorced home, but it, but a good home. And and my upbringing, I thought it was kind of average, you know. But I don't have other than a divorce when I was ten, you know, and just some little things here and there. But nothing like the trauma that I'm finding that a large percentage of people have gone through. The percentage yeah. of boys and girls that have been sexually or physically abused, or even, um. I'm reading a, a book by um, um, Bessel van der Kolk. He's a world-renowned expert on trauma. Huh. And uh, even talks about emotional neglect yeah. being just as traumatic as physical or sexual abuse, which I find fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I look at that and how just how, if you add it all up and how common th- this is, that, that people, a large majority of people or a good percentage of people have been through some really traumatic relational situations and so all all that to say i am excited that that's being exposed and that things are coming out and these aren't just you know some fringe incidences almost a cumulative weight of seeing the me too thing erupt you know is like yeah you know yeah there's a lot of pigs out there man there's a lot of people doing bad stuff and a lot of victims out there and and yeah i'm glad that people are feeling empowered, as you said, to speak truth so that we can be a, a society that has divergences and disagreements, but it'd be, it'd be maybe too idealistic, but it'd be pretty awesome to see us uniting around the fact that women shouldn't be violated, that uh, people should re- receive re- emotional and physical care, 
um, especially kids should be cared for. And yeah, um, it, it is sad that, like you said, it does it. I get excited almost about the unit, the, the sort of unity in a sense that it cultivates. But then all of a sudden, yeah. as you said, you see people sticking up for a political candidate. Yeah. Who <laughs> should not yeah. just because of his, he's, he's on the right political side. It's like, Oh, come on. Like you gotta be kidding yeah. me. Yeah, no, that's good. Just like I said, I think it speaks to the depth of that. And so there's something I have another sentiment I've seen growing therapy. People have been proponents of therapies like they never have in mm-hmm. my lifetime. And so I would just encourage you if you have been abused, mm-hmm. um, especially sexually abused, um, that, you know, it may be time to do that. A lot of people just cope. They cope with silence. Right. And now, you know, speaking out online is therapy. And I would say, though I think there there is somewhat of a solidarity that can be created from that. You know, you having healing may involve you sitting with a counselor. And so yeah. that's something that I think is commendable. Um, and, and I, you know, we need to remove the stigmas, the negative stigmas around therapy, and especially people of color going to therapy. You know, um, the way we have shamed people of color for needing help um, as if there's something wrong and people, everybody else is going to therapy. Everybody else is going to therapy, yeah. but them going is somehow weird or wrong. And I would just say, let's remove the stigmas around that and let's encourage people to get the necessary help. Um, we do uh, BBU, Build a Better Us Coaching. Um, I don't do a lot of therapy, even though I have clients that do, some of them do have trauma. I would say talk to a clinical therapist, look for one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to connect for some coaching, go to at BJ116 um, and we'll set up your free consultation. Mm. But the biggest thing for us is we just want you to be a, a better you so that mm-hmm. we can become a better us. That's good. Huh? So, yeah, I do feel like we're at a watershed moment, Preston, where the floodgates are oh, Get ready, Preston Sprinkle. <laughs> get your poles out. This is a water. It is. It's a watershed moment in history. We are living in history as it's being written. Um, how do you process this as someone who does cultural theology and someone who is really trying to speak into the varying narratives that are, as they are emerging along with history. How do you keep your balance, Preston, in the midst of all of the changes? (laughs) I don't know if I do. (laughs) I don't know if I do keep my balance. I mean, um, you know, definitely the, the work, the specific work that I do is, is emotionally, both emotionally invigorating because you're dealing with yeah. real, real people and, and real intense um, issues and questions and needs. And, um, but it's also, yeah, I mean, it's, it does kind of intertwine with the cultural moment because people are, I think people are becoming less enamored with the superficial. And I think huh. maybe, maybe, and I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it just feels like, you know, after the Cold War ended, 90s and 2000s, kind of the generation we grew up with, it just kind of, things were kind of chill a little bit, you know? I mean, of course, you had 9-11 and a few wars thrown in there, but I mean, yeah, but, yeah. but I think specifically in the church, it just seemed, there was this facade that things were going pretty well, and I yeah. think now we're realizing that the brokenness that's being unraveled in society is being mirrored yeah. in the church, and the church is taking a look at itself and saying, you know, gosh, discipleship is at an all-time low. Yes, church, it is. Church growth is at an all-time low. Yeah. Um, we have more Bibles than we can ever, you know, access to 100 different translations in our pocket, and yet biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high. 
<laughs> so we have, I think people were saying like, look, we could put on a good service. We could even attract people. We could probably even grow a, a church through, you know, a good sermons and good worship and a good children's program and, and, and a good lighting and, you know, oh, you know the formula. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. You could, you could, anybody with the charismatic personality can probably grow a church. And, but I think we're realizing, I think there's a hunger for authenticity in society, but also um, in the church. So all to circle yeah. back to your, to your, your question, I mean, that really hits home when you deal with anything related to sexuality. You yeah. Know, um, yeah. Yeah. I ask youth pastors, I go, how, 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 how often do you think you think about sex? <laughs> and they'll laugh, you know, <laughs> every five seconds, 10 seconds. I look, well, how, how often um, the society kind of tell them about sex, you know, well, uh, probably about the same. Okay. Now how often does the church provide a, a, a more compelling alternative narrative? Ooh. Like, and then it's just it's kind of overwhelming a little, even if you did a, a month long series on sex every year, yeah. Which is probably in the upper five percentile of how often people talk about it. Still, is is not even close to comparing to undoing the cultural narrative that's so embedded in the yeah. people. So anyway, yeah, so, that that's uh yeah, it's life's pretty intense, man. No, that's a that's a great point. And and so if anyone listening, the necessity for you to not act intuitively, I think. Mm. You're right. We got to a point where we thought we just had it. We thought we just understood race. We thought we just understood mm-hmm. misogyny. We thought we just understood marriage. I thought we we believe we just understood. Those things need no further investigation. And I think what it begs now, the question is being begged, is that we can no longer operate in the intuitiveness of what we thought we knew. Mm. And the painful process of mm. relearning is not just for children mm. or for liberals. It's for all human beings looking to mature, to be more loving of their neighbors in different forms and loving of their spouse. And so, again, part of the reason why we started life coaching, Preston, um, and which has been phenomenal. Thanks for mm-hmm. the shout out last time. So many of uh, your listeners have contacted us and started meeting, and started talking through race and culture. Um, but, but part of the reason why we started doing one to one life coaching is that I wanted to, to give people an avenue to talk to someone along their journey um, and the things that they need specifically to become healthier. Um, but that's not just true for you as an individual. It's true for the couple. And I, mm. if I could tell you anything, relationships need development mm. and they need development while you're married, before you're married, like that needs to be your thing. If you're looking to be in a relationship, you need to always be developing. Again, we have a two day event called Persona Extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you checked it out? Nope. Um, I've seen it. I've really seen it crazy. online. Yeah, I've been. I've been actually yeah, watching it's it, yeah. really crazy. It's one of my favorite events to do, and we've done it all over the nation hmm. now. Um, and basically, we we try to help people deconstruct in a very fun and loving environment with their spouse or significant other. Or sometimes we have people who are cohabitating, which is fun. I love that too. I love <laughs> people who've been together for years at a time, <laughs> and they come in and they want to be engaged in a way that isn't condemning but gets to the root of the issues. And you can check that out um, at buildabetterus.com and go to book a conference and check out the options mm-hmm. for that. But I would just say whatever it takes, reading books, doing counseling, um, speaking with other couples, um, and just being intentional about your life. That That is the way, Preston. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> as life consistently begins to change and the norms, instead of pretending like it's not um, and putting out statements to the world, 
about your truths and theology, right? Don't put out a statement unless you're confessing. That's that's the statement you need to put out. Put out the statement about your confessions of yeah. falling short. That's where people listen to you, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not taking a shot at anybody. But put those out because as a society, because we don't know, and you said this so eloquently, Preston, because we're not sure of any institution anymore, Mm-hmm. Yeah, politics, education, mm-hmm. you know, policing, anything that we have going on anymore, we are looking for what's real. And I think that may be the watershed moment mm-hmm. is that we're not looking for anything manicured. We want to know yeah. that the things we're experiencing are real and they're going to be very grungy. That's yeah. why people love the uh, the, the podcast. <laughs> Preston, you say all kind of wild stuff. I'm like, <laughs> why do these people keep coming back to this podcast? And I and I think it's because you like you're saying things authentically. I, I think that's what it is. I think it's the authenticity that you express. Yeah. Um, it's not that it's polished. You're saying things very authentically, mm-hmm. and that's what we're starving for. And so find those voices, find those people, um, and then equip yourself. Because again, this world is changing yeah. at a pace. That, that we are uncomfortable with oftentimes, mm-hmm. but it's an opportunity as well for us to become more human and more connected in ways that are meaningful, but it will be work. It will require significant work mm-hmm. on our behalf. So yeah, what you think, Press? Gosh, man, what do I think? I wanna think I wanna fly down to Houston and hang out for the weekend. It's so crazy, <laughs> come on, man. Come on to Houston, hang out with me, man. <laughs> oh, man. Unfortunately, dude, we got to wrap this up. I got okay. several other questions we didn't really get to. Let, let, let me let me get to one more here, just because we've kind of, you know, touched, well, gone in and out of kind of the marriage marriage questions. And what yeah. what would you say are the top, like, for those who are young, newly married or, or about yeah. to get married or want to get married at some point, what, what are some key, maybe one or two, like, what are the key ingredients to a, to a healthy marriage. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I'm sure you can Google it, but we'd love, yeah, to, hear, yeah. we'd love to hear a, a real life person. Yeah. Don't keep records of wrongs. Um, don't keep records of wrongs. Can you, yeah, can you unpack to, that? Yeah. Don't. I mean, it's, it's, it's healthy to talk through conflict mm-hmm. and through offense, but keeping a record of wrong um, is more reflective of vengeance and it will not equate to the longevity that you'll need in a marriage, right? Like mm-hmm. keeping a record of the, the wrongs that your spouse has done um, don't allow you to grow over time in something that's more gracious and more beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so you do want to talk through conflict, but keeping a record of wrong will actually sabotage your relationship mm-hmm. um, and will keep you from having and experiencing joy. So that's the first thing. Second thing I would say is realize that your spouse though you may love them, are grossly imperfect, Mm -hmm. and they will need perpetual grace, and they are unable to be your hero, right? I think Mm -hmm. we say that until until you get into the relationship, and then you feel super frustrated Mm -hmm. when you realize, like, wait, though we had a great date, we might have had a, you know, might have finished the moment pretty well that evening, Mm -hmm. there's something still missing. And it's because your 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 spouse is another human being. They're not the person that completes you. That's your father. Your father in heaven mm. is the source of life, not your spouse. Oh, um, the last thing is get some older couples. Be around some people that you can relate to. Part of the issue is that we don't have me too's when it comes to marriage. Yeah, we think we're just the only one suffering and going through certain things. And I wish I could just tell you, man. I talk to people. I mean, literally all over the world. 
It doesn't matter what race they are, where they live. There's a few variables that are different. Everybody is experiencing the exact same things. Um, and so being able to have the Me Too's allows you to have much more patience because you stop believing that I'm the anomaly here. Mm. So those That's are my so quick good. tips. That's so good, man. G- give us one more shout out to where people can find you. You're, you're, you, yeah. you mentioned several things. Can they all find it at uh, Build a Better Us? Or where, where's yeah, the one-stop so I, shop? So yeah, I would love to connect with people. Um, one of the things we've done in 2018 is um, really having um, churches and organizations host our one or two-day event. If you go to Build a Better Us, um, book a conference, it's called Pursuing the Extraordinary. And this is an experience like none other uh, when it comes to couples. One of my favorite events to do. Mm. Um, people go crazy over it. I, I really have a lot of fun doing it. Um, but we've seen people begin to speak and talk and connect in ways that are much more challenging, but um, invigorating. That's what you said, invigorate. I don't even know how to spell invigorating. Preston. I don't either. I don't either. I'm following your lead on this. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you if you go to go to buildabetterrust.com, go into book a conference, we'd love to connect with you. Our admin team will get back with you and let's try to schedule something for that. And then also for life coaching, you can reach me at BJ116 and we do one-to-one life coaching. The first consultation is free. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll figure out if it's a good fit for you. But yeah, those are some things that we have accessible. And I'm still working on this book. Yeah. Preston. When's that um, going to be done? Man, I'm Before working on it. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, hopefully by 2018. Okay. Do you have a title or can you give me info? I do. Info I do. Yeah. I have to wait to okay. put okay. the title yeah. out. I know. I know. I yeah, get it. I, I get have it. to wait to put this title <laughs> out, Preston. The publisher's going to be like, bro. You should have never said that online. I'll be like, Preston pressured me. <laughs> I won't tell anybody. I won't tell you the title. Hey, dude, uh, one of these days we got to do this face-to-face. Until then, until then, it's been great having you on. So thanks for your time, bro. And appreciate it, your I ministry. broke history. Yeah, I just broke history. So you can't... I need a plaque now, Preston. <laughs> I need a plaque. Okay. Thanks for having me on, Preston. Take care, bro.